Stop. 
Build your kingdom here. Well, we wanted to teach you a new song this morning, so uh, this one's called Praise You Anywhere. It's a good one. So. It's a good one. It's good words. Put a smile on your face, turn around, tell somebody that. Tell them you're glad to see them this morning. Let's uh, fellowship, that's what you call it. 
That is some good fellowship. You can go ahead and be seated, if you would, for just a moment. And uh, we're going to have some announcements. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, I hope you came ready to worship the Lord this morning. We have just a few announcements. First things first, if you are a first-time guest, we don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to get a record of your visit. So if you're a first-time guest, lift up your hand, and one of our ushers will get you a card to fill out if you would. There's one right there. Brother Gary's going to come get you a card if you would. Anybody else? I see you over there. Uh, all right. Anybody else? All right. Fill that card out if you would and put it in the basket on your way out. We're so glad that everybody's here today. Are you all ready for summer to come to an end? Uh, somebody needs to tell the Lord he can turn the heat down now, amen, because summer's over with. It's almost over with, but uh, we're so glad that you're here. Hey, just a few things, uh, uh, lots of things coming up. Uh, don't forget, every Wednesday, we're back on a regular, regular schedule now, so we have a morning Bible study at 10 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. Uh, come, bring some donuts so that I'll have something to eat, and uh, it, it's a fun time. And then Wednesday nights, we have supper at 6 p.m. And then uh, all different services for all different ages is at 7 p.m. We have the youth service meets in here. We have the kids meet in our children's building out here. And the adults meet in the, uh, in the fellowship hall in there, all right? So come in for that at 7 p.m. Uh, we always need more volunteers. Uh, it takes a lot to make all this happen every week. So uh, right now, we're kind of in need on the cleaning teams and the uh, yard teams for keeping the yard. So if you can help with that. Uh, please uh, come see me and let me know that you could help on that. Uh, also, our giving can be done live. There, We have envelopes over there, and you can do it with cash or check. But you can also give online. That's on the screen there. Just go to, at the bottom there, it says giving.landmarktyler.com. You set it up one time, and then that's all you have to set it up. And uh, don't forget, uh, be praying this Wednesday. Most, most every school starts back if they hadn't already by this Wednesday, so please be praying for all of our students, our teachers, our coaches, everybody. Amen. Uh, don't forget, uh, next Sunday night we will have movie night, uh, August the 20th. We're doing it a, a week early uh, just because of some scheduling conflicts, so uh, that will be next Sunday at 6 p.m. And then coming up in October, October is going to be real busy because at the beginning of October we will have our revival with Brother Herman Kramer. Amen. So Brother Herman's going to come, and uh, it will be October the 8th through the 11th. And when we start on October the 8th, uh, if you've been here before, uh, before you know that on uh, Revival Nights we'll have some food trucks. We'll have a food truck each night, and then we'll have drinks and desserts in the Fellowship Hall. But on Sunday afternoon after the Sunday morning kickoff service, we've always had a lunch. Well, we're going to do something a little bit different this year. We're going to have a chili cook-off and a cornbread cook-off. Amen. Now, how many of you know you in the South if you have a cornbread cook-off, amen? But we're going to have a chili cook-off, and we're going to give prizes away, amen? This is to encourage us to have plenty of food. Uh, first prize in the chili cook-off is going to be a $100 bill. Yeah, come on now. We do it right here, amen? Cornbread cook-off, uh, I guess cornbread is not quite as important. You get $50 for first prize, all right? Uh, you can't really have uh, chili. You can't. The cornbread doesn't serve a purpose without the chili, I guess is what I'm saying. All right. So, uh, but we are, we have a sign-up sheet. It is back on the table back there. So if you are good at cooking chili or cornbread, please put your name down on that. Uh, we also are asking uh, the ladies to bring desserts uh, for that day also. Uh, you, I know you'll bring one, girl. Uh, so all of that's on the sign-up sheet at the table. Please sign that on your way out the door. 
And then later on that end of the month, we will have our fall festival, which we do every year. So October is going to be very busy. And that we're going to do that on Wednesday, October the 25th. That's the Wednesday before Halloween, which falls on a Tuesday, I think, this year. All right? So, uh, so put all that down, mark it all down, and we're going to have a good time in the Lord. Amen? Well, if you would, we have a special. Uh, Miss Tracy and Brother Richard are going to uh, sing us a great old hymn, and we're going to ask you to join along on the chorus. It's called Learning to Lean. Amen?
If you would, stand with us. And we're going to sing this last song, Too Good to Not Believe. Our God has been way too good to us to not believe in him. Amen. Amen. Let's sing it together, if you would. Bro. 
pray for us if you would. Father God, we praise you this morning because you are the miracle and you are the healer. God, you are the healer of our nation, of the world, Father. And Lord, we know that you can do the impossible in our hearts and in our lives, God. Lord, I pray if anyone is here this morning that doesn't know you as our Savior, Lord, that they could not leave this place without accepting your eternal gift of salvation this morning. But God, there's so many here that are hurting or know someone that's hurting, Father. We ask for your healing on us all this morning. Lord, now speak your word, God, in our hearts. We just praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering this morning, if you would. Uh, if you have children that would like to go to Children's Church, uh, they can go there now. We've got the uh, older kids are going to meet Miss Cindy over here on this side, and our younger kids will meet Miss Louisa over there on that side. All right. And we're so glad. Give, give our children and our children's workers a big hand, as always. Amen. Well, I talked last week about stress. Nobody in here is stressed, are they? And you may say, well, Brother Mark, why are you talking about stress? And Brother Mark, this is a pretty scary title. Why are you telling us the stress is killing us? Well, and what brought that about? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we're entering back into a season where kind of summertime's kind of been everybody's, uh, you kind of take a break from routine and everybody kind of gets into a uh, vacation mode and going different directions and uh, you know that normal schedule gets off and now we are heading back into a time when school starts where everybody kind of gets back into a routine and everybody kind of gets back into business as usual if you wouldn't quite honestly what I see is business as usual is killing us many people are stressed to the max and it will kind of begin now that school's back in and everybody gets back into a normal routine and many times, uh, people are just stressed. And I'll tell you one of the main places that I see people stressed, and I guess this is really the reason that I'm preaching on this, is because what I see is marriages are struggling. People are struggling. Stress. And really where we're going to kind of camp out today is a particular kind of stress. And I touched on it last week, but it's financial stress. Financial stress is the number one killer of marriages. Financial strain and communication, lack of communication. Those are the two main things that kill marriages and lead to divorce. And so what I wanted to tell you today is, is God doesn't want us to live like that. And many times when we get in that financial strain, what, where the cracks in our marriage already are or the cracks in our relationships already are, those cracks will just begin to get bigger and widen out, won't they? Until eventually it can steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy wants to do, and this is one of his main ways he does it, is he brings about stress. And many times it's this thing we're going to talk about, physical, uh, financial stress. And here's what happens with financial stress, and this is true of not only financial stress, but any kind of stress. It starts in your brain. Stress starts up here, doesn't it? It it what keeps you awake at night. Anybody here have trouble going to sleep because just all the things going through your mind at night and you're trying to figure out, 
How am I going to pay this bill? What am I going to do here? What am I going to do with this? But then eventually it moves from your brain down to your body, doesn't it? And you, if you don't do anything about that stress, if that stress continues, it begins to manifest itself in you physically. And it can literally make you physically sick, doesn't it? And it can lead to illness. And it can lead to emotional problems and depression and anxiety and worry and fear. And I think one of the, this is one of the main things. It's been a week where I've just had a lot of people call or talk to me or text me and just say, please pray for my marriage. My marriage is struggling. Now, can I tell you this? This is not a surprise to God. It should not be a surprise to us as Christians because if you read the book, it tells you things will gradually get worse and worse and worse. But we have a hope because of Jesus. So it should become as no surprise to us. I can guarantee you this. This is the way it's always been, but it's even more true now than before. The price of things go up. What's the only thing that doesn't go up? Your paycheck. Amen. And so as things get more expensive, but the paycheck doesn't keep up if it goes up at all, we become more and more financially stressed, and the cracks get larger and larger and larger. Now, I'm going to show you something on the screen, and you're probably immediately going to get mad at me. Because this is not, can I tell you this right up front? This is not an easy message to preach. This is not an easy message to preach because it's a hard subject. Because many of you will say, Brother Mark, this is personal. Uh, you preach about the Bible all you want, but if you start getting in my po pocketbook and you start getting in my finances, you're getting a little too personal. And this is a personal issue. And many of us get very prideful on this issue. So this is hard because many of us, we're embarrassed in the situation we're in. We're embarrassed because we've not handled our money well. Uh, many of us feel hopeless because we put ourselves in a position financially where we feel like, it's a hopeless situation. I'll never dig myself out. Many of you might say, I am not good with finances. Can I tell you this? Lay your pride down, and if you're not, admit it. And you and your spouse work together. Amen? Because I can tell you, usually one's better than the other. Sometimes both are bad. But guess what? If you're not good at something, you will never get better if you let your pride get in the way and you never admit, I'm not good at this, and I need to work on this, and I need somebody to help me. And so I'm going to give you some things today I hope will help you, but it's up to you whether you want to listen or not and whether you want to change the course and direction. But I'm here to tell you, here's the deal. And again, try not to be angry with me. We don't need more money to fix our financial stress. Most of us, it's always, if I just made more money, i got to get another job that pays better. i got to do that. You don't need more money to fix your financial stress. We need to be better stewards of what we have right now. Right now. Learn to be a better steward. Here's what I've discovered in my life. And I'm not going to stand up here and pretend and stand in front of you and say, I have all the answers or I've always been the best at this. I'm not. But, you know, in my years, there's very few good things about getting older. One of the only good things is you gain a little bit of wisdom. And I've learned a little bit. And uh, I've had some of the best teachers. I've had preachers. And I've had spiritual mentors that taught me how to be good with finances. My dad taught me some things that was very good. Uh, that lady right over there, that's the queen of coupons right over there, amen? 
She's way better. And, I, and you know what? I could be real. Uh, here's the thing of when I talked about pride. I could be real prideful and just stomp around. Bless God, I'm the man of the house. Give me that checkbook. I'll run it. That's men's work. We run the money. Amen. And I can let my pride. But I learned a long time ago, she's a lot better with money than I am. And I, a long time ago, just said, I'm going to lay my pride down. And now we talk about everything. We talk about what we spend. We talk about how we're going to handle it. But she's a lot better with money than I am. So I laid my pride down and say, you take the lead on that. Let's discuss everything. But you take the lead on that. Because that woman finds a, a coupon for everything. Amen? She even keeps track of what she saves on the coupons. This is type A personality. Amen? But she, she paid, you know, th th those books they sell. Most of you buy those books at the beginning of the school year because you're trying to help a kid, and then the book goes in a closet somewhere and you never use any of them. My wife spent whatever the book costs, what, $40, spent $40, and she decided last year, when she bought the one last year, I'm going to keep track of every savings. And she, she tabulated it just a little while ago, and it was like we saved, it was $550. A year. So a $40 investment saves $550. It's the little things in life. It's not that you need more money. We need to be smarter with the money we have now. Because God, and a lot of you, again, will get mad because you say, well, it's none of your business, Brother Mark. It's really none of God's business. It's my job. I make the money. It's my blood, sweat, and tears. And God has no business being in my pocketbook. I beg to disagree. You need to get your Bible out. God talks about possessions and money more than he talks about just about anything else. Because he knows. Remember when he said, for the love of money is the root of all evil and you cannot serve God and mammon? He understood that money and stuff was going to be competing for your attention between God and money and stuff. And so he knew he better address that. So he addresses it a whole lot. So what you and I need to be is financially good stewards and it's in Scripture, Proverbs 22, 7. We talked about this one last week. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. All right? Proverbs is full of good financial advice. What is that saying? That is saying the borrower will always be servant to the lender. So if you have to go finance something and borrow money from somebody, you will be that person's slave until that debt is paid off. You will be the bank's slave, if you will, until that mortgage is paid off. You will be the auto company, auto finance company's slave until that car is paid off. All right? That's what that says. Can I tell you everything I'm going to talk about today, and if you don't get anything else, get this. Because I knew you knew the preacher was going to bring up tithing. But you can't be faithful to God even in the tithe if you don't become a good steward of your money. Because you're always going to say, Brother Mark, I'd love to tithe. I'd love to give my 10%, but I, I just can't do it. Well, it's not that you can't do it. You want to do it. It's just that you're not a good steward of your money. Can I tell you this? Obedience to God equals blessing. Obedience to God equals blessing. I've, you've heard my testimony before, is that Brother Mike taught me and that lady over there because we were struggling to tithe because we were writing our tithe check at the end of the month after all the, everything else had been paid, and we'd go, 
Brother Mike, how do you do that? Because there's just not enough left over at the end. And he immediately said, you're doing it backwards. There will never be enough left over at the end. You need to turn it around, flip it, and that tithe check out of your faith to God and your obedience to God needs to be the first check, not the last check. And it's amazing. I can't tell you how it happened. It would never work out on paper. But when I flipped that and it became my step of faith and trusting in God, God turned it around. Obedience equals blessing. All right? As your pastor, I want you to hear me today. Now, you may think this message is not real spiritual. Brother Mark's talking on financial stress. But can I tell you, this may be the most important message any person and marriage in here especially. As your pastor, I'm asking you. I'm challenging you. You could even say I'm begging you to take this seriously. That's how much I think this is serious. All right? Imagine if you were rid of financial stress. Imagine if you just went and saw something you wanted to buy, and you said, you know what? I want that today. And you just pulled out a wad of cash, and you just paid cash for it. Woo! Can anybody say praise the Lord? What would that feel like? What if somebody came to me and somebody was in need, and they said, I'm fixing to be evicted from my house. If I don't have $1,000 to pay these people, I'm behind on my rent or I'm behind on my house payment. And I'm fixing to be evicted. And if you just said, you know what? No problem. I'll help you. Here's $1,000. What would it feel like to be able to do that? Somebody you really love and to be able to help them because you had the freedom to do that. What about if something breaks at your house? Summertime in Texas. Anybody here lost your air conditioning this summer? Yeah? What would it be like if your spouse called you and said, AC's broke. It's 105 degrees outside. AC men says thousands and thousands of dollars. And you just told your spouse, no sweat. We got that emergency fund over here. We got thousands of dollars in it. Just get that AC fixed. What if it were just no sweat? What if... You wanted to do things for other people. What if you wanted to bless your family and take everybody in your family on a vacation? But you just say, Brother Mark, we can't, we can't make it to ARP. We, got, we ain't got no money to get to ARP. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about everybody here got to go to another country or anything like that. But let's say you just wanted to be able to do something nice for your family and go away with your family for a week and spend time somewhere. What would it be like to just say, no sweat? We've got the money. We've got the freedom to do that. That's what I'm talking about. Now, here is the spiritual principle, and we've all heard this, but I want you to really get it. And I want you to write these down or take a picture of them, all right? Put the next slide up there. This is a biblical principle. Whoever is faithful with a little, God will trust with more. You see, wisely managing resources is pleasing to God. It puts you in line with God's will. It puts you in line with having your house in order. All right? Now, I hope you want something different in your life. I hope you want something better in your life. But it won't just happen. You say, well, Brother Mark, how in the world, that all sounds really, really good to just be financially stress-free and be able to do things that I want to do. 
How do you get there? All right. I'm going to give you three prayers to be financially free. Oh, you saw the first one, and many of you just automatically tuned me out. (laughs) Did you know that I have no self-control? Just going to lay the pride down. I have no self-control. And I used to struggle with that because I thought, how in the world can I have self-control? I I know in my flesh I don't have any self-control. But then somebody showed me a few years ago the list of spiritual gifts And I never noticed this before, but at the very end, the last spiritual gift given is self-control. And it's like God sent a light bulb off to say, you're right, you have no self-control because you're trying to do it in the flesh. But notice that this is listed under the gifts of the Spirit. Self-control is really not self-control at all. It's spirit control. What that's saying is the Holy Spirit will give you the strength that you don't have and the ability to control yourself. And in finances, this is the key to everything. In finances, self-control is everything. All right? So let me go over this. The scripture on this one is uh, Proverbs 25, 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Now listen to me. Listen to me. You see what this scripture says? The way they defended a city back then was they built a wall around a city. And he said, whoever has no rule over his own spirit, over his own self, is like a city broken down without walls. If a city was broken down without walls, it was completely vulnerable to the enemy. And the enemy could come in and attack them and obliterate them. All right? What this is saying is, if you don't have control over yourself, you're vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. How many of you know without self-control... The enemy can come in and you are vulnerable to anything he puts in your way. And that includes in the area of spending. All right? So, um, I'm going to address ladies first. And then I'm going to address men. So, ladies, don't get too offended because the men are going to take their turn. All right? But, ladies, here's what we end up, here's what ends up happening many times with ladies. Uh, We impulsive shop. We see things we like. We shop online. Uh, Women... Uh, It tends to be a lot of women that do a lot of the shopping online for the smaller stuff. We have way too much stuff. We have way too, a lot of times with women, it's clothes and shoes and those type things. And so we become where we have, we just have too much. And maybe we need to turn that around. Now, I hate garage sales, but most of us need to have a really big garage sale. We got way too much stuff. We need to get rid of it and sell it. And you can use that money for something else. Uh, There's a thing now. We live in a digital age where you don't even really have to have the garage sale. They have a thing called marketplace. You just take a picture of it, put it on there, put a price on it. Somebody else comes back because one man's uh, trash is another man's treasure. Amen. So many of us, what could we do to generate extra cash? Have a garage sale. Uh, Take them to a resale shop where they sell it and then you get part of it back. Uh, Put it on marketplace. Have a garage sale. Take all that old jewelry that you've not uh, uh, worn in a long time that's real gold and real silver and take it down there as a guy named Gold Buyer, and he will buy the gold and he will pay you for all that old stuff. Uh, There's lots of ways to generate extra cash. And when it comes time to click on that credit card on the computer, just say no. Just say no. 
the main part of this sermon is really going to be about learning to just say no. Self-control. Say no to the credit card. Say no to the financing. Men, it's your turn. Because women tend to be a little bit more on the click it on the computer or here just run the credit card. What do men have a tendency to do? Men, they go big time. They don't go for the small stuff. They see that new boat. No, oh, yeah. I got to have that boat. And if I got the boat, I got to have the twin sea-doos to go with it. Then I got to have a good trailer to haul all that. So that's two trailers. Uh, and the truck to haul it with. Yeah, it's got to have a good, powerful enough truck. So what did a man just do? He just bypassed some clothes and jewelry and shoes, and he went straight to a truck, two trailers, sea-doos, and, and the, everything to haul it with and the boat, all right? And what the man does is down there at the boat store, they tell him, hey, it ain't no sweat, brother. It ain't no sweat. We'll put this on you and no interest for a year. No payments, no interest for a year. So men tend to be a lot more sucked in on the financing. And let's, let's just do that. Let's just stretch that out over six, seven years. Won't it hurt a bit? Won't hurt a bit. That's where men get sucked in more. All right? Can I tell you this? Here's some things men need to do. Stop buying anything on financing. You can't afford it and pay cash for it. Don't buy it. Uh, many of us need to agree as husband and wife to do a spending freeze. We're going to pay for our bills that have to be paid, and we're going to buy groceries enough to eat, but we're going to put a spending freeze on everything else till we get caught up, until we get where we need to be. Spending freeze. Say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. God has many things he wants to do in your life. Julie and I had a big conviction about when we started having children that we didn't want somebody else to raise our kids, so she was going to quit. That was a problem at the time because that was literally half of our income. And so it's like we're going to cut our income in half. Now we got an extra mouth to feed. How in the world are we going to do that? It does not work out on paper. But you know what? We said, you know what? We feel like this is what God's telling us to do, so we're just going to tighten our belt, and we're going to do it. And can I tell you, we did not miss one meal. We did not miss one bill. God provided. And I believe it's because obedience equals blessing. Here's what I've discovered in my 60 years. It ain't about how much money I make. I've made different amounts of money all throughout my life, sometimes more, sometimes less. What I've discovered is I will spend whatever it is I make, and I can live on whatever I make. It's my choice. It's my choice if I'm going to live above my means or below my means. And what I've discovered in 60 years, it's not about the amount of money I have coming in. And young people, if you'll learn this early on right now, you'll be a lot better off than a lot of these old people. Because you need to understand that don't live above your means. If you live above your means, it's going to be fun for a little while. But there is a payday. And they expect to be paid. Can I tell you this? IRS don't play around. Can I get an amen? The bank don't play around. The mortgage company don't play around. Amen? And so there is a payday. And they're not going to take no for an answer. And so there, there are things you need to get a grip on very, very quickly. All right, number two. So number one is God give me self-control. Help me to stop spending where I need to stop spending. The second thing is God give me an understanding. Give me an understanding of finances. 
I wish when I was in high school, because I think this happens a lot, I graduated from high school, and I had no idea how to balance a checkbook. I had no idea how to pay bills. I had no idea how to go get car insurance or health insurance. I had no idea how to do any of that. And I had to learn just like most of us do by trial and error. And I, I wondered now why, why do high schools not have a class just called Life 101 to just teach you that stuff? Because I had to go back to my mom and dad who I thought were the dumbest people on the planet when I graduated. And then I realized in my 20s, these people got a lot smarter because I kept having to go back to them and ask them, Daddy, what do you do? I ain't never bought a car on my own. I've never had to put insurance on that car. I've never had to do this. I've never had to do that. Dad, I want to buy my first house. How in the world do I go about that? And my dad, thank God I had a good mom and dad that walked me through all of that. Didn't do it for me, but walked me through it. All right? Somebody needs to help you walk through it. I, I feel for you young people because you just you struggle and you learn. And most of the time, unfortunately, you learn by doing it the wrong way. You wake up one day in your late 20s and your credit cards are maxed to the hilt. Somebody was dumb enough to give you a credit card with a $3,000 limit. And now you got four of them and they're all maxed to the deal on 19, 20% interest. And you go, how in the world did I get here? Let me give you some st statistics, hard words to say. Uh, and it's going to blow your mind. Uh, first, let me get the scripture out of the way on this one. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. All right? We are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. All right? Let me give you this. You need to ask some hard questions. Young people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over here to y'all. Because most of these people, they done messed it up. They probably ain't listening to me anyway. All right. Um, you need to ask some questions uh, when you get out on your own, when you start doing these things. Hard questions. How much down? How much money do I have to put down? How much is it going to be a month once we get all this down? Uh, how much is the real cost? That's the most important one. How much is the real cost? Because when you go to buy the car, they say, oh, you can buy a brand new car. Never been driven by anyone and we can put it, now they'll go up to seven years. And they say, it's real easy. And you notice when you go to buy a car, old people will know this, it's never how much do you want to spend on the car, is it? It's how much a month. Because they can work it any kind of way they can to get it down to that monthly payment that you want. But what ends up happening over seven years? You pay way more for that car than you should have paid. All right? Let me give you this. I'm going to give you this little statistic on credit cards. If you have credit card debt, the average person in America that has credit card debt, the debt is just under $16,000. That's average, just under $16,000. So let me break that down for you. If I were to take $250 a month and put it on that $16,000 credit card and try to pay it off, it has a 19% interest rate. Now, they got me on that card probably the first year with giving me a real low interest rate. That's the way they trick you and get you signed up. But it's only low the first year. And then after the first year, it goes up. So now I've got this 19% interest rate. Do you know how long it's going to take me to pay off that $16,000 credit card? 40 years. Do you know how much in interest I will have paid after 40 years? $105,000. $105,000. $105,000 on a $16,000 debt. 
makes no sense at all. This is why people are in bondage. If you're in credit card debt, you're in bondage. If you have a bunch of stuff financed in your driveway and on your house, you are in bondage. You are a slave to the lender. Amen. Now, again, I'm not telling you I got all the answers, but Julie and I kind of got on this program years ago, and we were able to get down to where we're just down to just the bare minimum on stuff that's financed. And do you know how much money that frees up? If you could pay off that car payment right now, right now, that'd be an extra five, $600 a month, wouldn't it? If you could pay off two of those car payments, that'd be an extra 1000 to $1,500 a month. It's amazing what you can do. Is it easy? No. But you have to say no, and you have to live like nobody else to be able to live like nobody else later on. All right? So the very last thing is this. And this is another one you're not going to like. Number three is God give me a plan. Because it doesn't just happen. It does not just happen. Proverbs 21.5 says this. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. You know what that word hasty means? The original Greek of it means impulsive. <laughs> impulsive buyers. If we're hasty, it will lead surely to poverty. If you're an impulse buyer, you've got to fight yourself. You've got to learn to say no. All right? Self-control. But the plans of the diligent. You know how you get into debt? Listen to me. You know how you get into debt? You just wander. And you end up just kind of wandering into debt and wandering yourself into a bad financial situation. Can you wander out of that? There is no wandering out of it. You have to have a map to get out of it. If, if I go into the forest, how do I get lost in the forest? I just start walking, no idea where I'm going, and I eventually get up in the middle of the forest where I can't see the edge or anything, and I have wandered into the forest and I am now lost. How, how am I going to get out of there? I can't just wander out of there. Now I, have to have, now I need a map because I have to have a map to get me out of the trouble that I'm in, all right? So here is the map. Let me give you, again, let me finish that personal story. So Julie and I have Matthew, the very first one, and Julie quits her job, and we immediately go down to half the amount. And uh, what I ended up doing was I ended up having multiple jobs. And I didn't know what to do. I was in ministry, but at the time it was part-time. And so I began to say, Lord, what else can I do? And I began to develop other skills. Even as I was in ministry, I began to develop other skills. I ended up eventually having a music degree, and I always loved music. And so I was a worship leader, but I began to discover there was a lot of other jobs at church that needed to be done. And some of them would say, you know, we could put you on full-time, but... You need to do music and youth or music and this. And so I'd never led a youth group. I was hardly 20-something myself. I wasn't much older than the youth. But I said, all right, I can do that. I can learn to do that. And so I was a what I call a lifelong learner. I began to learn as many different skills as I could, even in ministry. I started to learn how to be a youth pastor. I started to learn how to be a Sunday school teacher. I started to learn when I first got my music degree, when I was in college, I didn't play the guitar. And somebody said, you know, you're a lot more useful if you don't have to carry an accompanist with you and you learn to play the, an instrument yourself. So I learned, I learned guitar. I began to get as many different skills as I could. And then when my, I started having children, I taught my children this. 
you need to have, you are only as valuable as the skills that you have that nobody else can do. Why is it easy to go get a job down at McDonald's? Because anybody can do that. They can be taught that. But there are certain things that make you more valuable because you've learned a skill that not everybody can learn to do. All right? So you make yourself marketable. I learned as many different skills. I had multiple jobs. Julie began to have different jobs. And uh, we did them. She did jobs she could do from home or do them on the side while the kids were at school once they started school. And we began to pay off things. We, we never had any credit card debt. We've always had credit cards. But we, or she, became self-disciplined enough to pay them off every month. So we have credit cards. They're, they're a very convenient thing to have. And if you have the discipline to pay them off every month, a wonderful thing to have. But the minute you don't pay them, that's where you get that 19, 20% interest. But she began to pay those things off. She began to uh, do side jobs. We both learned to do side jobs. And we paid off a car. Then we paid off both cars. Uh, any credit card debt that we have, again, we paid it off every month. Uh, everything that we had financed, we worked to pay it off. The thing about this is, on financing, don't finance anything unless you have to. If you can't pay cash for it, you don't need it. Now, Brother Mark, why are you, why are you telling me all this? Because I'm here to tell you, if your marriage is struggling, this is not the only reason. I'm not dumb enough to think that. There's probably a lot of reasons. But this one can be huge. This one can cause a major crack. Because if you're already stressed about other things and then you add financial stress on top of that, it is going to make those cracks widen and widen and widen. So I'm here to tell you today, honor God with what you have. We need to learn to be good stewards with what we have. And I'm going to end with this. The band can come on up. And I need you to look at me. Don't look at them while they're coming up. Look at me. Look at me. You need to learn that nothing is yours. Everything I'm telling you today has to do with a certain perspective. And the perspective is this. That car or those cars that are in your driveway, they don't really belong to you. They belong to God. They're on loan to you while you're here. That great job that you have that you think you got because of your great talent and your great ability, and maybe you, maybe you learned those skills, maybe you helped yourself, but guess what? That job, you got it because God allowed you to have that job. That house you live in, you have it because God allowed you to have it. Everything that you have belongs to God. So here is the main thought process. If you look at it as that it all belongs to God and none of it belongs to me, and it's all on loan to me from him, how do I want to honor him? If somebody just gave me all this stuff, if somebody gave me cars, a car for me to drive, a car for my wife to drive, somebody gave us a house to live in, somebody gave us jobs, somebody gave us all this, if somebody did all that for me, how am I going to repay them? By just trashing it all and, and losing all of it? No, I want to honor them by, man, they entrusted me with this. I need to be a good steward of this. I need to be found worthy of this. And so that's the way we do it. None of it belongs to you. Get your pride out of the way. If you're not good with money, admit you're not good with money. And learn how to be better with money. Now, this principle applies not just for this, but every single area of stress in your life. 
if you're not good at certain things, God gave you a spouse and usually opposites attract. And there's a reason opposites attract is because we are meant to be a helpmate for each other, which means that your weaknesses are complementing. Uh, my weaknesses are being complemented by your strengths and vice versa. We are a team. That's exactly why it works that way that most opposites attract because she is good at the things that I'm not good at and I'm good at the things that she's not good at. And individually, we're okay, but together we're a great team. Amen? And that's the way it happens. But guess what? I can be better at the things I'm weak at. She can be better at the things she's weak at. I need to be a lifelong learner. And I would say this. Older people, get your stuff together. Change what needs to be changed and get your stuff together. But young people, you have the real advantage. Don't get yourself into trouble. Be very, very smart. Be very, very smart. If you want advice, I'd be glad to give you advice. If you see one of these adults, you say, I'd like to be where they are one day. That's, that's exactly how you get better. If you want to spiritually be better, find you somebody who you look up to spiritually and go sit at their feet and ask them to teach you. If you see somebody who's good with money and who you say, I'd like to be where you are one day, go sit at their feet. Learn from them. Put your pride down and learn how to do better. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I want to ask you today, I know this has not been necessarily a salvation message, but God, it is how do we honor you? And Lord, this is a very important area of how do we honor you? How do we have the freedom that we need to have in our lives? And Lord, I don't know why you had me preach it. I, you know I resisted from the very beginning of the week to really preach this. But I can only just say that somebody must need this because you just told me to preach this. So, Lord, I just leave it to you. Somebody, maybe maybe a few people in here needed this. Maybe somebody will listen to it, do something, get out from under the bondage that they're in. Lord, we, we are in bondage to so many things, and Satan uses those things to entangle us and get our mind on other things instead of you. So, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we could lay down all this stuff. Holy Spirit, have your way. If somebody needs to get saved, I pray they'd come and say, I need to get saved today. If somebody needs to join this church, I pray they do that. But Lord, if somebody says today, I need to make some changes in my life, Lord, I pray that, that would be what they do. This altar is open. We're going to sing. If you want to come and pray at this altar, you need somebody to pray over you, I would be glad to pray over you today. Father, have your will and your way during this time. We ask you to just pour out your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand if you would. You come as you need to. Presence day.
always like to end with a praise song, and I thought this one was appropriate today. You know, whether we realize it or not, I told the Sunday school class this morning, I said, I can look across this room and I can tell everybody in this room, you are in the top 10% richest people in the entire world. And you may look at me and say, well, how in the world can you possibly say that? I can say that simply because I know where we're standing today. You live in the United States of America. That automatically puts you in the top 10% financially of all people in the world. Can I tell you, there are people living in other countries that don't know where their next meal is coming from. They live in a cardboard shack with dirt floors. Many of them don't have that. Many of them sleeping on park benches under the bridge. You don't have to go anywhere outside of Tyler, Texas to find that. People sleeping under the bridge. People sleeping on park benches. You are blessed. Don't squander what God's given you. God's been good to you. God's been good to me. Why is it so important for us to be good stewards? Because it honors God. And we don't need to be an unthankful people. We need to be a grateful people. God is so good. Let's sing this together as we go out today. God is so good.
I hope you realize that today, that you're blessed and I'm blessed. As we leave this place, we need to go with grateful hearts and we need to know we're blessed. Amen. So we need to go out and we need to share that with somebody else. I keep saying I'm going to get a sign. I hadn't got it yet, but I want to hang a sign over that door on this side of the door that says you are now entering your mission field because you're leaving this place today. But we need to go tell somebody about the goodness of God. Amen. Because he's been far better to me than I deserve. He's been far better to you than you deserve. He's blessed us beyond measure. Amen. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for how good you are to us. May we be good stewards in everything in our lives, Father. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Don't forget the sign-up uh, sheet for the uh, chili cook-off, cornbread cook-off, all of that desserts is over there at the table. <laughs>